the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are looking at the gospel of the entire Bible and what that means and just how profound this statement really is. That is all straight ahead here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us today. Part of our lives and our existence is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, just what that gospel is, is the subject that the Apostle Paul is dealing with here in Galatians. The church in Galatia, well, they were seeking after other ways and means to live out their lives for, for God, but they were all wrong. They needed to get back to the heart of the gospel, which is found in the entirety of Scripture. Join us for an encouraging look at the gospel of the entire Bible. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 14. Here's Pastor Gary with today's program. As you believe the Word of God preached, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's not some secret little formula that you have to spout out. It's not some place that you have to go. It's nothing that you have to do. When you hear the Word of God preached and you believe it, you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. So the word-filled Christian is a spirit-filled Christian, and the spirit-filled Christian is the word-filled Christian. If you want to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It is by faithful believing, hearing of the preached word that is the means by which the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to God's people. And Paul asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying a bunch of laws or by believing the word of God that you heard preached? Many charismatics today have fallen back into the old Judaizers position that Paul had to combat when he was writing the book of Galatians because many of the books written by charismatics on the Holy Spirit have totally misunderstood or lost sight of the message of the book of Galatians, particularly this third chapter. And they have told people, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, here is what you've got to do. If you want to receive more of the Holy Spirit, here is what you must do. So they have little booklets out there like five steps on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you once you do those right things, God is duty-bound to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And one of the verses they like to use is in Acts 5. Here again, as I have said so many times before, most of the false doctrines in the world today are the result of the failure to understand grammar. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, we have the proof text 
that the charismatics use to say, you've got to obey God in some measure before you can receive the Holy Spirit into your life. And it says, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So there it is, right? It says, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So if you obey him, God will give you his spirit. But he's not going to give you his spirit until you first obey him. Right? Wrong. It does not say that. It does not say that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. Now look at the verse again. It doesn't say God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. There is a past tense and there is a present tense here. It says, and we are witness of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given past tense to those who obey present tense him right here and now. So it's not saying that you have to obey God before he'll give you the Holy Spirit. That's, of course, works by the law. That's salvation by law. That is a refutation of the entire argument Paul is trying to make to us. It's not saying you have to obey God before you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who has been given to those who are now obeying him, because the Holy Spirit was given to them freely and graciously through the believing understanding of the word of God as it was preached to them. So you see how subtle Satan is. He's always trying to sneak merit back into the gospel. and Man loves to believe it. You ask, why do people believe these things? Can't they see that is bad grammar? It's because it pampers human pride. It gives me the basis for taking some measure of credit for myself. If I have to do something, even if it's a, a little thing, even if it's just a, a couple of simple steps like empty my life, empty my life of all sin, etc., etc. If I have to do anything to receive the Holy Spirit, then I can at least take credit for that. So there's always this satanic bewitching influence of trying to bring merit and worth and deserts back into the gospel. And that is the very thing Paul is putting the blowtorch to. Notice the third verse that he talks about the Christian life since the reception of the Holy Spirit. He says, you began your Christian life with the Holy Spirit. Are you saying now that you are going to perfect your Christian life in the flesh? The contrast here is between self-centered, powerless human nature and the almighty power of the Spirit of God. And he is making them look like the fools they are. And he is asking, are you telling me now that in your weak and puny human strength that you can perfect what it took the omnipotence of the Spirit of God to create in you? The new birth, this new life, you can't create it in yourself. You can't touch your heart. It is the Holy Spirit of God by His gracious power that changed your heart. 
And now you're telling me that you can perfect and bring it to maturity by your own merit and effort? What it took the Holy Spirit of God to begin in you? Truly, they are foolish Galatians. Then in verse 4, Paul talks about the vanity of Christians' experience and of suffering for Christ if free grace is wrong. And if there is merit and worth in man by which he stands rightly with God. He reminds them of all the things these churches had suffered because of their loyalty to the true gospel that he preached to them. And in which they once believed. He was asking, was it all in vain? Was it all for nothing? Will it no, bear no fruit in their lives? Will their denial of the gospel for which they once suffered be turned into a curse upon their lives? Oh, foolish Galatians. Then his great argument in verse 5. So does he then who provides you with the Holy Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing in faith? Now that's a brilliant argument. An argument which they had obviously no answer for. Because you see, in the New Testament age, when an apostle preached, God testified to the world that this man was his mouthpiece. Speaking exactly what God wanted man to know by enabling that man to perform miracles. By enabling him to do things that only the supernatural power of God could do. So the apostles could raise the dead. They could heal the sick. They could do all kinds of obviously miraculous things that no man could in his own power. And Satan couldn't even counterfeit. And these miraculous powers that the apostles were given by God were God's way of attesting and confirming. This man speaks what I want him to speak. And he said to them, now, I used to be your pastor. I was the church planter there in Turkey. You, you heard me preach. You saw the miraculous evidence of the Holy Spirit that came from my hand. You saw me do supernatural miracles that only God can enable a person to do. What was the message these miracles that I performed, said Paul, confirming? These miracles, miraculous abilities were of God saying, listen to this man. He is my mouthpiece. And what was I saying to you? What were these miracles confirming? Were they confirming that I said you were saved by merit, by your own worth? Or was I preaching by faith in Christ alone? It was salvation by faith in Christ alone. And God was confirming it by my miracles. He said, now these false teachers, where are their miracles? These false teachers that have said that you've got to obey God enough to make enough points with him, to be accepted by him, where are all their miracles? Where is all of God's testimony with reference to them? They have none. Whenever any false teacher on television or in a tent meeting 
or in a book or anywhere else brags about all the people in Africa and Asia and India that they have raised from the dead and have healed, he's preaching a false gospel. And all these so-called miracles, I tell you, are satanic attestations that he preached a lie. And God never confirms a lie. And Paul says, your own experience shows that you have no basis to believe anything but that salvation by faith in Christ alone and by anything and not by anything that you do. Then Paul comes to the Bible. This is a stroke of genius. Now, I recognize this was, of course, by the inspiration of the Spirit. And the Spirit, of course, is a genius. But Paul brings to his side Abraham. And let me read to you verses 6 through 9 of chapter 3. Listen to this carefully. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Brilliant. It was brilliant because the Judaizers, Paul's opponents who were saying, You not only have to put your faith in Jesus, you've got to be circumcised, keep the ceremonial law, and then your behavior has to be in accord with the Old Testament in order to acquire enough points to be accepted with God. All considered themselves to be directly related to Abraham. You know, he was the big honcho in everything they believed. He was the beginning of the great covenant people. And that covenant would go down through his generations. And for Paul to take this great man and say, he backs me to the hilt in this, was a death stroke to his opposition. In verse 6, he quotes the Old Testament. And here is one of the places where we see the entire Bible teach us the same gospel. And that is, of course, justification by faith in Christ alone and not by the works of the law. Now, remember what justification means. If you're going to understand the Bible, you've got to understand that word because we find it in the Bible. And it is important to the gospel. For God to justify someone means for God, the judge of the universe, to declare someone not guilty. And to accept him into his family on the basis of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in his place. The moment that person receives Christ as his Lord and Savior. John Piper sums up much of what I've been trying to teach you over a couple of weeks. In an essay titled, What God Requires, God Provides. It's rather long, so listen carefully to this. Justification cannot come through the law. Each of us, every single human being, has failed to do what God's law requires of us. 
But to understand what God requires, we must see what Christ provides. In his mercy, God has provided his son as a twofold substitute for us. Both facets of Christ's substitution are crucial for becoming right with God. These facets are grounded in the twin facts that one, we have failed to keep God's law perfectly and we should die. But two, Jesus did not fail. He alone has kept God's law perfectly. And so he would not have died. Yet in his mercy, God has provided in Christ a great substitution, a blessed exchange, according to which Jesus can stand in for us with God, offering his perfect righteousness in place of our failure and his own life blood in place of ours. When we receive the mercy God offers us in Christ by faith, His perfection is imputed or credited or reckoned to us. And our sinful failure is imputed or credited or reckoned to him. And thus, Jesus' undeserved death pays for our sin. And God's demand for us to be perfectly righteous is satisfied by the imputation or crediting of Christ's perfect righteousness to us. If justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. But God has done what the law could not do. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is one of Scripture's most powerful affirmations of the imputation of Christ's righteousness to the account of those who believe in him. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is a great deal that can be said about this verse. But when all is said and done, perhaps Charles Hodge has summed it up, its, most imp- it, its import best. Quote, There is probably no passage in the scriptures in which the doctrines of justification is more concisely or clearly stated than this. Our sins were imputed to Christ, and his righteousness is imputed to us. He bore our sins. We are clothed in his righteousness. Christ bearing our sins did not make him morally a sinner, nor does Christ's righteousness become subjectively ours. It is not the moral quality of our souls. Our sins were the judicial ground of the sufferings of Christ. So they were a satisfaction of justice. And his righteousness is the judicial ground of our acceptance with God. End quote. All of this then means, as Charles Hodge has stated, that our pardon is an act of justice. An act based on Jesus having borne our sins. And yet it is not mere pardon but justification alone. This is our forever standing as righteous before God is because we're clothed with Christ's perfection that gives us peace with God. Now, I read this because I'm trying my best to show the importance of Paul's argument That salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Paul and I through Paul 
are trying to teach you how to defend the one true gospel taught in the Old and New Testament that leads to acceptance with God. Because, beloved, just like the churches of the first century, there are truncated gospels swirling all around us. In the past few years, one in particular has crept into our Reformed churches called the New Perspective on Paul or the Federal Vision. Even men I had a great respect for have preached this false gospel from the pulpit and are responsible for influencing other Reformed pastors to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Its primary proponent is Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright and the publication of his book, Justification, God's Plan and Paul's Vision. Now, please understand, I could spend probably three hours discussing this historical element of this false gospel. But just let it suffice for me to say that this group of people teach that there are two acts of justification in a person's life. And the second act of justification is predicated on your works, which you receive at the end of the life of your life for your good works that you are now able to perform based on your first justification. No matter how one tries to dress it up, my friends, that is salvation by works. May I suggest you do some study on this by going to Legionnaire Ministries' website and type in the new perspective on Paul because this is a big problem in Reformed circles. There is a wealth of information there. Now, this just shows you the necessity of all Christians having a solid, firm grasp of the true gospel of sovereign grace and the doctrine of justification. And here's another good reason why all Christians should have an accurate understanding of justification. Listen to this quote from Rusas Rushduni, taken from his volume of Systematic Theology, chapter 11. He said, The goal of man in his sin is freedom. His conclusion is slavery. Man sees God's law as bondage and creates his own law as his great charter of freedom and therefore forges his own chains. Everywhere, man in his own will and way seeks self-realization and gains self-punishment and reprobation. Man's way and man's law is self-justification, the will to be righteous in terms of one's own standard and law. However, as long as God is God, there is no other way to righteousness and justification than God's appointed way. Because God is God, He alone can justify. It is a divine act, not a human effort or accomplishment. Where man seeks justification by any other way than God's declared way, he must at the same time reorder all reality and insist on the righteousness of his law, works, justice, and activities. He must, in effect, deny God and affirm himself 
And this means an assistant, insistence that the government of all things is on man's shoulders as the new God of being. And this new God must also become a total God and governor. Total government and predestination by man means totalitarianism and tyranny. All humanistic politics, education, and economics are exercises in self-justification and therefore is the fundamental of slavery. End quote. And this is what we face today. Because the church in America does not understand all of the ramifications and consequences of a false gospel. And this is why Paul wrote the book of Galatians. Next week, we'll see how Paul shows us that this gospel of grace is not just a truth found in the New Testament, but it's found throughout God's holy word. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.